Change is the only constant. So why is it so hard? On Nothing Constant from Root, we explore why people and businesses are so resistant to change and discover the secrets on how to make change easier, faster, and lasting. And now, Nothing Constant. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Nothing Constant. I am here with my colleague, co-worker, and friend, I think, Bridget Stallcamp, better known as Queen Bee. Bridget, welcome. It feels so good to be associated with the real Queen Bee, Beyonce, that um, that, that just gave me a little lift. Thank you. Beyonce um, has nothing on you. Oh, don't get the beehive mad, Gary. Um <laughs> Hey, your name's Gary Magenta. You're my colleague and coworker, and um, you use my children as your um, training vehicle for grandparenting, which I uh, I appreciate deeply. I do, and you notice that she didn't go as far as to say friend, <laughs> but I will admit to practicing grandparenting with your children, who mm-hmm. are just lovely. Very nice to see them recently. I hope that all of my bad habits have worn off on them. Like skinny dipping. Skinny dipping. True story. Gary talks about skinny dipping in his pool all the time. Talked about it in front of my children. Guess what they did the next day? Skinny dipped. Those are my girls. <laughs> so today, Gary, we're going to talk about something that I feel like um, pulses through your veins at every moment because you're so hyper aware of customer experience. And that's customer loyalty and particularly customer loyalty programs, um, which I think are all the rage. Um, I was doing some reading and I found out that a 2017 survey said that the average person is signed up for 14 loyalty programs and actively uses seven. So it's a huge part of our lives as consumers. Um, And uh, we're going to talk about them today. And I thought we could talk about customer loyalty programs and our experiences with that, but then also a little bit about how that connects to employees and um, what works and what doesn't in terms of um, having our employees embrace loyalty programs and how important our employees are to making our loyalty programs work. Does that sound good? Does that sound like a good plan for you Good, today? meaty, rich topic. Okay, let's get into the news. Yes. I feel like I want to start with the one that raises your blood pressure the most. You have all the opinions on this one. Um, is, it, is it awesome or is it awful, Gary? On, on April 16th, Starbucks unveiled some major changes to their loyalty app. The new program eliminates the tier structure, so no more gold, and allows people to start spending points earlier. So you can use 25 stars for an espresso shot or dairy substitute, 50 for a brewed coffee or tea, 150 for any beverage, that number used to be 125, 200 for a lunch item, and then 500 for some merch, um, but they, in the fine print, it says merch under $20. Um, or some coffee beans. Gary, is this new program awesome or is it awful? It is awful, Bridget, and I have very, very personal experience with this. It is awful. While I am a carbonated caffeine soft drink connoisseur and not a Starbucks drinker, my wife of 32 years is a Starbucks maven. She is in full-on revolt. In fact, I recently blogged about this and said she's on strike, but I'm sure the strike will be short-lived. Well, I have an update on that. Oh, yeah, I'm curious. All right. $550 later, we now have a new Breville (laughs) 
Nespresso in our kitchen, and she is, in fact, making a daily whatever herself. Wow. And now she is so infuriated by this. Now, the reality is that Starbucks is very smart. They offer a great product, and there's such loyalty embedded Mm-hmm. And people's behaviors are so embedded that this will pass. People will adjust to this new formula. But it has, if you check the blogosphere on this, it has created a lot of rage. In my house, it's created rage and purchase of a fairly advanced coffee machine in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. So they've lost out on, what, $1,500 of revenue from your wife on an annual basis? I never actually calculated it out of fear, but uh, I know that she <laughs> buys the fifty dollar debit. Yeah, debits her and then card like $50, pays it down probably twice a month. Okay. So yeah, yeah. so fifteen hundred I think is close twelve to fifteen hundred dollars. Sure. Yeah. And then she has a thing with her girlfriends. I buy for you today. You buy for me mm-hmm. tomorrow. Sort of thing. So yeah, uh, I think it's terrible because. It is something that people really valued. What I believe people valued there most was, if I go there with loyalty, with consistency, I get a reward in the form of a free drink. While that's still available, it takes much longer to get there. Yeah. I think what's interesting about this change, so the old, the, they changed back in 2016. They made a change. Yes. And th- what, what they did was they changed to a system that was basically... Um, it was they simplified the system. They went to a two stars for every dollar spent system. And while people kind of got their feathers ruffled about it, I think it got smoothed over pretty quickly because people saw this like equation, right? I think what's interesting here is that they're bucking like two major tenets of conventional wisdom around loyalty programs. One, they've made it complicated as shit. Like, I True. can't equate the dollars to the stars to the, like, I can't, I, I, don't, I can't figure it out. Yes, it's complicated. And then the other thing is that um, they did away with the tier system, which I think all of the loyalty program gurus say is great because it encourages increased spend. So, to like, um, the Sephora program is a great example of this. You're looking at your, like, Sephora, huh? So Sephora is a beauty yes, company. Yes, familiar with them. And they have a program where you enroll by, like, putting in your email. Very simple program. Points are dollars, and you can get free samples and crap. But then if you spend over a certain amount, you get to that next tier, exactly like an airline or whatever. And that next tier lets you get in on a sale a day early or gets you better stuff, you know, that type of thing, but it encourages you to spend. You're in an exclusive right? group. You're gonna choose, well, I'm gonna buy my stuff from Sephora sure. because I wanna I wanna I want this extra tier. I wanna yes. make it there every year. So they're bucking these two items of conventional wisdom. So I wanna know what is it that they know that I don't know about loyalty programs? Or are they just assuming that their loyalty actually doesn't come from the point system? The loyalty comes from the experience itself of having the app. Like I'm a I'm a Starbucks user. I haven't changed my behavior at all since they changed this because what drives me to Starbucks is when I'm at the Chicago stop on the L, I put in my order so that when I get to Madison and Wells, I pick it up and I don't wait and I don't, you know, it's that convenience factor that drives my loyalty. And are they assuming that their 16.3 million people are like that? So, I think it's the latter. I would just say that it is embedded into our behaviors. Yeah. 
Starbucks is now part of daily routines, mm-hmm. as is washing your face, yeah. putting on makeup and deodorant. These are these are just things I do. I get up, I get dressed, I go to Starbucks, I go to work or play. Yeah, it is part of that ritual, and that's what they're banking on. And I think um, I wouldn't accuse them of doing anything nefarious at all. I would just say that they um, are banking on the fact that because they've created a behavioral change in the in the routines of their customers, that the change in the point system is not going is to be Is it going to be enough? People. But it was enough to change your wife's mind. She'll so I'll be curious like how it nets out in the end. She'll, she'll, she'll be, be back. back. So, so now you have a $500 machine in your, in your house that will collect us. 550 So here's where I see her moving already. Last Saturday, I wanted to run an errand in the morning, and she said, okay, I'm going to go to Starbucks, and I'll meet you back home. Mm-hmm. And we sort of went our separate ways and, and made a plan. And I questioned it and said, hmm, Starbucks, I thought we were boycotting. And she said, well, I have my new routine, which is I'm going to go on Wednesdays and Saturdays because Wednesdays. Oh, she's already so, backtracking. She's already backtracking. So this, I'm just so curious then, like, is this the, is this, this has got to be the smarter play for a company when it comes to reward programs, that it's not about the points. It's about creating that behavior where it's just so, it's a part of our lives. And I think their app drove that more than the stars that were part of the app. There's no question. And when you think about it. Their app is amazing. It's it's so good. It's fantastic. I love it because I would put it in order for my wife when I'd be biking on a Saturday. By the time I got to our neighborhood Starbucks, I could pick it up. Right. So I love the app and I love how, I love the usability of it Mm -hmm. and I love the convenience of it. What I think, though, is Starbucks is not alone in this, so let's not just pick on them, right? You look at all of your major airline and hotel companies, what you used to be able to redeem for points is dramatically different from what it is today. So it used to be that um, 60,000 points could easily get you to a round-trip ticket to Europe. Uh Well, it can... But in very rare occasions today, now it's yeah. sort of, oh, that'll be $200,000 for that round-trip ticket from the States to Europe. 200,000 points. Points, sorry. Yeah. Dollars you could buy maybe. I'm like, that's a bad deal, You could Gary. buy a, Don't buy a that rundown ticket. used plane maybe for that. <laughs> yeah. but, so there, what it takes to get there um, is increasing everywhere. And when I think about that, we're really not in an economy where cost of goods is rising so Mm -hmm. dramatically that there's that cause. But I do think these large public companies with loyalty programs have an obligation to Wall Street. We've got to continue to deliver better profits. How do we do that? One of the things you have to look at is our rewards program. People are not going, once they've committed to a hotel chain, Mm -hmm. an airline, even a coffee, it is hard to get people to change that habit. So if it is a habit, they take the liberty of, they being the companies, take the liberty of changing the program to make their business stronger, knowing that people will resist the pain of change. Well, and I think that you make an interesting point on that because a huge aha for me was realizing that with these large companies that have had loyalty programs for a long time, their rewards program, yes, it drives loyalty, but it is a huge, it's it's like on their balance sheet, right? If you yes. have six billion hotel points out there in the universe, technically, 
if all of us decided to go cash those in at the same time, we could bankrupt that yes, company. Yes, absolutely. True story. Um, and nobody, like, at me. I'm not an accountant. I don't know where it sits on the damn the books, right, okay? Go with the theme, people. But <laughs> let me live. Um, but I think that it's, I think that's a really, it's something that they always have to be thinking about. And I think that's why we're seeing this, because it's decades and decades of accumulation. Like, I was thinking about it the other day, and it's like, it's almost like pensions, Right. When they first started pensions, it was like, great idea, employee retention, you know, reward securities to build, you know, all this stuff. And now the pension, everyone's going, oh, my God, 30 years of pensions later, we can't we can't pay for this. Yes. And I think loyalty programs are kind of going that way where it's like, oh, like this is a six billion dollar turd hanging off the side of our balance sheet. Like, what do we do with this? It, it's expensive, and so how do we deal with that? Well, we have to devalue, and we have to up the category classes that the hotels are in, and you know all that stuff. And here's what's interesting about that: we can do it, and you don't have to grandfather in. Oh, these points were accumulated when the redemption was right. different. Yeah. Tough toenails, right? Too bad. Too bad. It is now yeah. based on the new rules, so mm-hmm. your points were just devalued. But yeah. as you've pointed out, as we've said, your spreadsheet looks a lot healthier. Yeah. So I, I don't think, again, that anybody is sitting there saying, how can we screw our customers out of points? I think what they're doing is saying, how do we run the healthiest business possible? Right. Because we have stakeholders that we're responsible for. Mm-hmm. The question is, are you in balance? Because your customers are clearly your largest stakeholder group. Right. Are we in balance with their wants, needs? And that's really determined by competition. If you think about Starbucks specifically, they don't have competition. Right. They just don't. Yeah. So they can do whatever they, they can do whatever they, they want. want. Yep. And Angela Magenta will. So speaking be of there. points companies, let's talk about Bonvoy. Let's a lot, talk about a lot of ads about Bonvoy lately. And I've been getting a lot of emails on Bonvoy. <clears throat> so Marriott has been on this integration journey for a long time with what was SPG. Um, Marriott introduced the Unified Loyalty Benefits under Marriott Rewards, Ritz-Carlton's Rewards, and SBG last August. Um, according, this is funny, I read their um, press release the mm-hmm. other day, and their press release says, members have been able to seamlessly book stays and earn and redeem points across the entire portfolio and achieve elite status faster with new elite tiers. Members now earn an average 20% more points per dollar spent. Um, and then they have these new tiers. So they have the new Bonvoy Titanium Elite that replaces the Platinum pr- Premier Elite um, for people who have been who stay there more than 75 nights. And then they have the Ambassador Elite that re- replaces um, the one where people are like 100 nights and $20,000 annually or whatever. Um, and, uh, oh, aren't they, you know. Special. Special. Well, they are. Well, um, you said that sarcastically. I believe in this tiered system because I'm by nature an elitist. And if you've earned it, you should be able to be recognized. Absolutely, but I think the thing, the, the thing that I say sarcastically is that this is their press release and all of the company, you know, all of the sort of travel blogs and everything mm-hmm. out there have said, nah, this is not good. So since merging the three programs, members have complained about nights being undercounted um, failing to receive room upgrades with the status they have. Um, many people have been devalued in oh, terms of their, their tiers. Stop, stop. Um, people who got a Ritz-Carlton card and were supposed to be Platinum Elite through March 2020 are now just overnight Gold Elite members. 
Um, I, I am shaking my head for those listeners here. Listen, change is hard. We know that. <laughs> it takes time. And all beginnings, all new beginnings are difficult. These are merger and growing pains. The intent is right. Yeah. The way they have tiered this from where I stand, both as a customer experience professional and a road warrior, makes sense. Uh, to me. I think the intent is right and even the structure is right. The execution of any new thing, well, look, let's, let's, let's look at this. We have technology integration, we have brand integration, we have point system integration. All of these things are coming together. It's not going to be flawless. These bloggers need something to blog about <laughs> and they caught a little whiff here and they're jumping on. This is not a six million pound turd or whatever your expression <laughs> was before. This is an integration issue and it'll go away. Well, but I think some of the things that people are complaining about, so I think some of the great things about the new system is that people can earn points faster. Yes. But one of the problems that people are experiencing is that because you're merging these two groups who now have access to all these rooms, it's much harder. It's getting much harder for people to redeem the points or they're having to use so many points to redeem, they feel devalued as a customer because it's no longer, you know, I did, I spent 50 nights last year with you and now I can pay for my vacation in Hawaii. It's I spent 50 nights with you and now I can pay for going to my cousin's wedding in Dubuque. Nothing against Dubuque, by the way. Love you. Love you, Dubuque. The one person from Dubuque yes, is gonna hear this. two. So, um, oh, did he get a friend? Did, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so I think what you've just mentioned here is the same as the other lawyers. It's the same brothers. issue. It's the same issue. I just want to separate the two of them. One is an integration issue. They're mm -hmm. clearly having it, but it's not major. It'll go away. The other one is, well, how do we write this? Right. Yeah. So here, here's what I know is that um, I will stay in my hotel company of choice for business in their low, one of their lower tier hotels, save all of those up and then go to the high tier yeah. for a family vacation, mm -hmm. right? I think there's some level setting that is being done here. So if you're one of those points users, you're fully within your rights. I think they encourage that hotel company to want you to do it. But the journey to get there may take you a little longer these days with this merger. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's different than the others. They have to write this so that we're not spending, we're not staying a lot in the Ritz-Carlton for free based on imbalance right. of points. Inequity is the word I was looking <laughs> yes. for, right? Okay. So uh -huh. they're it's trying like if I eat ramen noodles every day of the week, I can't always cash that in for an omakase like every month. That's right? exactly like, what I'm trying to say. Okay. I like the food metaphor. Got it. That's what I think they're trying to level mm -hmm. somewhere. And I think their competition has already done it. Yeah. So they're falling in industry lines. That's my take. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm not sure you're picking up what I'm putting down. I am picking up what you're putting yeah. down. It totally makes sense from a business perspective. I think one of the things that I'm interested in is how their employees oh. bear the brunt of this. Well, let's go beyond employees. Let's talk about franchisees, especially. Well, franchisees, for sure. This is, and they are absolutely. But Starbucks employees, too. Think about it. Like, well, Starbucks employees, my theory on this, and I only have one experience, is they're actually on the side of the consumer. Yeah. On this, right? So there's a lot of eye rolling. So I was at a Starbucks recently, it was business related, and behind the counter, somebody was complaining about the point system, and the person behind the counter was like, oh my God, I spend my entire day on this right. now, I know. I know. It's, it's the new the unicorn frappuccino. Do you remember the unicorn frappuccino? And it came out and all these people wanted it and it had like 90 steps to create the unicorn frappuccino. And Starbucks employees were literally like going on Twitter and Instagram and being like, 
Help me, dear God, I'm getting carpal tunnel from this goddamn frappuccino. I, no, please stop ordering it. It's killing me. I'm dying. I feel like this is the new version. I of that. think they're under that weight for sure. Yes. So let me just talk to you about this hotel loyalty thing. So uh, as you know, I recently moved houses in mm-hmm. Florida, and um, there was a up to a week gap in the closing on the house that I sold and the closing on the house that I was buying. So I did one of those sort of extended stay places. And because I was traveling, it was mostly for my wife to have shelter and um, didn't know if it was going to be a week or shorter. So it was a busy time in Florida. It was season, as they say, where a lot of tourists were in town. And I called and I said, what would it cost for me to have a week of points here for this? And they gave me the points and it Mm -hmm. literally almost wiped out my points. And I stay in this hotel chain anywhere between two and five nights a week, every week. And I have a lot of points, but it was going to be expensive for this week in season. I said, I'm not sure if I'm going to need it for two nights or for six nights because the closing is in flux. Mm -hmm. At the 800 number, they said, that's at the discretion of the The owner owner of Mm -hmm. the hotel as to whether or not they'll put the points back. But of course was encouraged to book for the entire time because of the seasonality of Florida tourism and wanted to make sure that my wife was comfortable and safe, so I booked. When I booked, I immediately called the hotel and said, hey, this is my story. Now, I could have canceled my reservation in advance, but I called and I said to the manager, this is my situation. I'm closing on a house. I don't know if it's going to be two days or five days. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of points. I'd really like the points back if we check out early. And the manager said, well, it's up to my, it was actually an assistant manager. It's up to the manager's discretion here. And I said, please note my file that this is the case. Well, sure enough, we're in the hotel. My wife is in the hotel for two of the six nights that we booked Mm -hmm. and the closing was then going to happen. So I went, I physically got into town, went to the front desk and they said, well, that's up to our manager. I said, yes, I know. The file is noted. Can you please go to your manager and check? And I called the 800 number and they said, it's up to the manager, but we'll make a call for you. They were very nice. Mm -hmm. We'll make a call for you and ask. Long story short, no grace. Took all of the points for the six nights. I only stayed two. And here's what I'm thinking. Overall, this hotel brand wants my loyalty because for several reasons. I'm a mega traveler for work. I'm also a mega traveler in my personal life. When I'm not working, we go on vacation. And I sit on a leadership team of a company where I can influence and in fact have influenced where people stay Mm-hmm. where people stay. There was a time where everybody in our company had to stay with this hotel and it was my initiative. Yeah. So I'm an influencer as well. It comes down to this manager of this franchise hotel saying to me, I don't care how loyal you are to us. I don't care how you influence the nights that people stay from your company. I just don't feel like I'm going to give you back the four nights. Right. And what I would say is in high season where people are clamoring for a hotel in Naples, Florida, there's no question that that room could have been filled. So that loyalty program has totally ticked me off, but it has made me aware that it's really not in a franchise organization, not up to the hotel company who's offering you that Mm -hmm. program. It's up to the manager. And oftentimes I do know this, the managers and the frontline resent the loyalty guests. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And formulaic. Now, my background is hospitality. The formula says that the 
greater the occupancy, the greater your profitability mm -hmm. because those basic costs and needs get met, right? They're all in there. So I'm actually doing you a favor by occupying, by being there. If I'm a loyalty rewards stay, it's still helping your bottom line to fill your hotel. So anyway, I, I am really questioning my loyalty after 30 years to this brand over this over this had, thing over this, this one thing, thing. Yeah. yes really upsetting right. it is 30 years of loyalty and many of the people that we work with and it was a franchisee who says no yeah no i'll get the points back quickly but it's not the point right well that person the scope of what they care about is not your overall history with that company the scope of what they care about is their Very hotels myopic. Bottom line. So I think that's interesting. Is there another industry that's challenged in the same way with loyalty? I don't know if there is because I think everything else is like the dollar amounts are so low, right? You're a Dunkin' Donuts like frequent mm -hmm. drinker or whatever because that's a franchise business, right? It's a franchise right? business, sure. Highly franchised. And, but like the worst thing that's going to happen to me is like, oh, I'm going to give you a free cup of coffee or right. something, you know? Like, the impact is different. Right. The impact is very different. So yes. is, is hotel really the only one where we face that challenge? You know, I, I, I want to immediately say yes, I think it's unique, but I, I would have to give it more thought. But I think it's if it's not the only one, it's in, a, it's in rarefied mm -hmm. air. Because we're right. talking about bigger dollars. Yeah. Here are those four nights for the equivalent of $1,000. Right. And then I think the thing that, that makes me laugh about that too is that at the same time at hotels, they wield the points at some of those hotels, like they're the masters of the universe. Yes. Like 10,000 points to you, 2,000 for you, <laughs> like that type of thing. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's not even, what? <laughs> so th this chain is interesting. So there's a few things. I think we're getting on a theme of can loyalty programs create disloyalty? Mm -hmm. And I've given you two personal instances yes. where I think they can. It backfired. It backfired. What I like about what Marriott did um, or is doing is in this tiered approach, if I have that type of loyalty with that type of stay, I don't want to have the same loyalty status as somebody with half of that. Right. So what I love about um, more tears, more tears is it says, wow, you're extra special. Right. And so if I connect those two pieces together, Queen B, where I get to is it could be that if you're at a lower status and you cancel out, you lose your points. Mm -hmm. But if you're at this higher status, they're going to make an exception. They're going to make you. an exception. You are here in a place where we recognize that you are in that 10% who literally make our business. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that we respect you in that way. I think the airlines do that really well now. The airlines do are getting really good about that. Yeah. As as I like to brag, I'm concierge key on American, and there I'm is. I'm sorry, you're what? I've never I've never heard that before. I'm Tell me the story about American how you're concierge key at American so Airlines. Concierge key is one of those loyalty programs that I don't care what I need to do to get my air miles in to continue to qualify it. I'm going to do it. Right. I'm going to, and what it means for me is when I'm in Florida, I have to take a lot of connecting flights on yeah. American to get into RSW, Fort Myers Airport, and I do it. So our travel agent will say, well, Delta can get you there quicker, faster. Mm -hmm. I say, no. Don't, I, give, don't give me no Delta. Don't give me no Delta. <laughs> because if I lose my concierge status, right. I lose these perks that say, mm -hmm. you're the first person to board the airline. Right. And what is the biggest stressor for anybody boarding a plane? Your bag. Is my luggage going to fit? It is. That's yeah. this the fact. Is my luggage, am I going to get my luggage in? Because otherwise I've got to check it. Then I've got to wait. And if you're on business, I've got to get to an appointment. Am I going to yeah. make it there? So it just relieves that right away. 
I feel like airline is one of the ones where it's like people will talk about how they had this terrible experience somewhere and you ask, are you going to switch? And they're like, no, I'm too far in. I'm too deep. I can't start over with somebody else. It's so interesting. That is a program that like works, which is why they have all the challenge. You know, like you can call one airline and say, hey, I'm so good at this one. If I fly 10,000 miles with you, switch over. Because it is, it's it's like, it's a trap. And I, so I just explained this to, I have a new admin, uh, after nine years of the same admin, I have a new admin, and she was giving me all these airline options. And mm-hmm. what I said to her is, let me tell you about the loyalty program, why this is important to me, mm-hmm. and while I'll go, why I will go out of my way to remain true. And part of the breakdown that I gave her in this case for why is, if you think about it as someone who travels a lot for work, if it takes 18 minutes to board and 18 minutes to deplane, and you do that even three times a week, let's round right. up to 20 because I can't do great math. Yeah. And it's four times three, that's 12, and it's 120 minutes every week. How many hours is that, That's Gary? two hours. Not just well pretty. Done. For <laughs> listeners, I'm not just pretty. I am also brilliant. So it's two hours in a week it could be. It makes so a huge difference. Cut it in half. Huge difference. Call me an exaggerator and yeah. cut it in half. It's an hour out of my week. Now do that 45 weeks of travel a year. Mm-hmm. That's a week every year of standing online to board and deplane that I can save by being in the loyalty right. program. And it's worth it. Time is money. I'm in. Um, by the way, I feel like our episode title shouldn't be customer loyalty. It should be Gary's Bougie Life. <laughs> because so far we've talked about your house in Florida and we've talked about your $550,000 machine and we've talked about your concierge key status. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to leave that there. I'm going to leave it hanging. And we're going to talk about real people. We're going to talk about Domino's Pizza. <laughs> so Domino's Pizza is doing something interesting with their loyalty program, with their app. Yes. Um, they're going to give you credit for any pizza. Any pizza. Get points for any pizza anywhere. Seriously, is the tagline. Um, rewarding you with Domino's Pizza Piece of Pie Rewards points for eating any pizza you love from anywhere. All you have to do is take a picture of your pizza. Could be a homemade English muffin pizza. Could be a competitor's pizza. Take a picture of it with your app. You get 10 points of pizza. You're only allowed to do it once a week. You can do it for six weeks, and then you get a free pizza because it's 60 points for a free medium Can pizza. we just pause for a second, please? I was pretty much a latchkey kid. Don't the, justify. No, 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 no. Wait, no, wait, no. wait, wait. Latchkey kid. Okay. Latchkey kid. English muffin, ragu with mushroom, jarred sauce, uh-huh. and polio mozzarella cheese slice was a mainstay for me growing up. Yeah. I would make that combo every single time. I would have got that free pizza in three days. <laughs> yeah. You're not allowed to. You're only allowed to do it once a week. Just brought that memory back for me. I know what I'm having for dinner. Go ahead. All right. So, so awesome. I, I think what's interesting about this is that this is basically just data collection, right? They're checking in, seeing what you're buying. Oh, no. So much more than that. So much more than that. The big picture, Bridget, is they're promoting pizza. They're promoting pizza because your English muffin pizza is a great example. They're promoting pizza as a weekly, just like Starbucks is part of your daily. They want to promote pizza as part of your weekly. If they can raise the pizza passion quotient, they can raise their business. Sure. 
But I actually think it's more about data intelligence. Well, you're a data person. Tell me more. So I think that they are trying to figure out when people are eating and what they're eating because chances are most people aren't making their own homemade pizza. They're buying it from somewhere else. So I can see that you are a Little Caesars eater. Mm -hmm. And I, or I, or Papa John's eater, whatever the. Or local. What I, bougie, yeah. I'm a local mm -hmm. bougie pizza eater. Pizza Napoli. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Coal, uh -huh. coal oven, yes. Gold dust uh, mm -hmm. as a topping. So I can see what you're eating, but I can also see that you're willing to send me pictures of that in order to get a free pizza. So I can analyze where you get your pizza from, mm -hmm. what the price points of that pizza is, the time of day you're typically taking a picture of that pizza. Yep. I'm getting all of that stuff, which is going to help me understand how to my to staffing, how to market to you, sure. locations that I might not be in, like Domino Deserts. I, it's brilliant. It's that's a it's brilliant super way brilliant. To look You're going to help me do it, and I'm going to reward you for that with a free medium pizza that cost me thirty cents to make. So I want to put those together because you and I think quite differently, and you just went to something that's hundred percent valid. There's no question about it, and I went to the passion play, which right? I think is valid too. I was just going to tell you it's valid. Whether you think it or not, it's completely valid. So if you think about those two, customer experience. <laughs> Come on. You you wanted. I need a little value. You wanted my approval bit, of your idea. I always want your approval. You are the queen. <laughs> so if you put those two together, though, they are the foundation of customer experience. What's required? Well, what's required is you have to make an emotional connection mm -hmm. to those people, but you also have to understand their needs and wants. Right. So we just put those together beautifully. So I think it's both. We should call them. But I think the problem with this thing is that it is essentially a six-week challenge, and I'm not sure anybody cares about their medium pizza enough to fulfill a six-week challenge. So 53% of all consumers say it takes too long to earn a reward, suggesting that programs should be designed for instant gratification with frequent rewards built in. This is not an instant reward. This is six weeks. So, and on the seventh week, you can earn a pizza. You're a college student. You're a soccer mom or dad. These are pretty constant. But you don't... The thing, the thing is, though, if I'm not buying that pizza from Domino's, I have to remember, oh, I order my Pizza Hut through my Pizza Hut app, and then I have to go into my Domino's app and take a picture. Like, it's not all there. It's not part of the business transaction to earn this. And I think that's the piece that's going to be a little bit tricky. And I'm curious to see how it works out. I'm really curious to see how it works out because I think people are forgetful and they don't, if it's not part of the routine of actually getting the food. Will I wait? Will I be will I? Will I do it? All right, yeah. good. I agree. Let's see. Sure. I think also... But I, I give it an awesome. It is cool. Yeah. It's a cool idea. Very I'm just, cool idea. I'm curious to see and I think they should have made it like four weeks because I think if it was like a month there, long there challenge. This, there's an equation in there that says four weeks. There's more people in it. The amount of free pizzas we're going to give away. So maybe the six weeks it's is deliberate. Much. It's very deliberate. Like you got to really you like gotta your really pizza. You got to want, want this medium pizza with one right. topping. Yes. So bad. So the six weeks weeds out a mm -hmm. lot of um well, here's who else is going to get weeded out. Because a third of consumers worry about the security of their personal information. And consumers also cite too many communications rewards that aren't valuable as additional pain points. So people who are worried about the data collection aspect of this, you're like, no. Um, no, I'm shaking my head. I know. That's because you Podcasts are not Podcasts have worried. to speak. I'm not worried. Last time I had a credit card stolen, the criminal spent about $100 a week less than me. And I just let it ride. You did not. It was a big savings. Sure. <laughs> 
So I think I'm just, I'm not worried about this. I mean, how many times have you had a credit card somehow interested? We just got a call the other day to verify our data for the Discover card that we would This is just the world we live in now. I'm not sure that Domino's is going to be the next hacked in my my American Express card is going to get hacked. It's hacked all the time, all the time. It's happened certainly three times where somebody Mm -hmm. is taking it out on a shopping spree. So I think this is the world we live in, and I'm not all that concerned about it. But this is also, this will be location data. This will be, like, I think you'll, I think you learn more from something like this even than just the financial piece of it. Yeah. If people are worried about it, then they should probably start to build a shelter and stock up on a lot of water and batteries. Don't worry about it. Don't call our listeners crazy, Gary. I didn't call it, just the one in Dubuque (laughs) or two. Cool. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today to talk about customer loyalty. We'll see you next time. Today's episode of Nothing Constant was recorded by Nick Floyd, produced by Jessica Greer, mixed and co-produced by me, Dave Ailing. Nothing Constant is proudly produced by the Root Inc. Radio Network.